Well, hello, church family. Uh, we are here today. Uh, Les, Pastor Tim, it is Pastor Scott, Pastor Spencer, and Pastor Dave here today uh, to discuss the sermon from this past Sunday and our midweek recap that we always try to do for you as our church family, just to try to dive a little deeper into the sermon and review it from this past Sunday. Uh, hopefully you were able to be there. If not, we uh, trust that you have been able to take some time. If you're listening to this podcast, you definitely are able to listen to the recording of the sermon itself, which will probably be to your advantage uh, to do that for sure. But what we want to do here, we want to try to review Pastor Tim's sermon, even though he wasn't here. And by review, I mean critique, right? That's what we're here to do, right, guys? <laughs> I think that's, yeah, I think that's going to be more, it's going to be a lot easier. Yeah, since he's I mean, it's pretty easy to critique his sermons, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? right? No, we're very thankful for Pastor Tim and his service to us week in and week out, preaching us the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he always brings us to the Lord and to his word. And we appreciate that about him. Well, this past week, we were in Psalm 48 uh, this morning, going through uh, several of the Psalms over the summer. It's almost over. How many more do we have to do? I don't know. Is it just go through August? I think so. I think I believe so. Yeah, I think two weeks. Yeah, so a couple more weeks. That's but a wrap. Yeah, this has been good. Summer's I, gone. Yeah, that, that's, wham, that's really sad. Wham. But yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I think I like fall more than summer. That's me personally. Mm-hmm. But It'll be here. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. All right, but we were in Psalm 48, and the the heading, maybe in, in your Bible at home or my Bible here, says Zion, the city of our God. And in Psalm 48, that's really the big subject that we're looking at is the city of God. Um, and Pastor Tim brought out several points about what we can know about the city of God. What is the city of God like in that sense? And he brought several points out. And what I want to do in our review is just kind of go through some of his main points uh, that he brought out. And the, the first one is the thing that we have to recognize is that this is God's city. It doesn't belong to anyone else. No one else made it. No one else established it. This is thoroughly God's city. In verse 1, it says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. It is the city of God. It's That's how it's identified in that sense. But as you think about, it's not just the city of God. His second point that he brought out was that it's beautiful. That's what we see in this psalm in verse 2. It says, beautiful in elevation is the joy of all, it is is the joy of all the earth, Mount Zion, in the far north, the city of the great king. And so it brings out and talks about the beauty of the city of God. But if you remember, one of the things that Tim pointed out is, yes, Jerusalem is where this is talking about in this context, right? It is a beautiful place. But if we're being honest, there are more beautiful places. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you can go to the Caribbean and see some pretty beautiful places or other places like that. And so what is it he brought out in his sermon that makes the city of God so beautiful and so wonderful to behold? Well, I think first that he he made it very clear that's God's presence is there. And with God's presence being there, there's the absence of evil and the absence of uh, uncertainty and fear. I mean, the, the the idea, even as he referenced Revelation twenty one, which I know we'll get to, that the, the, the in the New Jerusalem, when when the the city of God, when the New Jerusalem comes down, um, when Christ returns, and the city is beautiful, and it's it's the walls are huge, and the streets, and it's this massive city, and yet the gates aren't closed kind of denoting the idea that it's safe, it's secure, because nothing unclean, nothing evil can be there. 
And I think Psalm 48 kind of gives us a foreshadowing, a reference, if you will, of that, that that's why it's such a wonderful and beautiful city, because God, God's presence is there. Mm. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> when you think about a city, you think about a, uh, I think often about like a concentration of people in a, in a, in a, smaller area it's not spread out so it's a dense area it's bringing together um people into a common space um and so whenever we think about the city of god it's the place where god has brought together all of those people close together to be with him with his residence Mm -hmm. um where he where he dwells um and so that has always been god's uh intention one of the things you see in the Old Testament is that before the city, before God had established Jerusalem as the city, God still dwelt with his people in the midst of them in the wilderness. And you see the arrangement of the camp, and you'll notice that the tabernacle was right smack dab in the middle. And all the people were around God, dwelling around God. Um, and God dwelt in a mobile home of sorts back then uh, before he dwelt in a permanent home uh, in the temple in Jerusalem. And so God's purpose has always been to, uh, to, that we would be his people and he would be our God. And so he's bringing us together in this city image uh, really highlights, I think, that that um, tight, unique bond that we have with him. And so that's where this is the city of God. This is the city where God has chosen to put his name um, there to dwell. And this is where the tribes would come up to worship God. So it's a central meeting point, a focal point, a magnetic point mm-hmm. where God dwells. Um, and that's Mount Zion. The idea of being in the far north, too, I believe, is also that in the ancient Near East, the, the north was regarded as the, David might be able, was regarded, I think, as the place where like the, the gods were, or it was yeah. more of a sacred, because, um, uh, Olympus, for example. Yeah, yeah every, like, like, so to the, the, it's kind of an idea of to the north, it's mm-hmm. the, the idea of, uh, of a heavenly, I don't, I don't know exactly, but, um, so Mount Zion though, in the far North, the city of the great mm-hmm. King, um, highlighting to us, and he's not talking about the Davidic King right mm-hmm. there. He's talking about the great King of all Kings, uh, mm-hmm. God who dwells on his throne where the cherubim, mm-hmm. uh, dwell. So, um, it's a, it's a really beautiful image, mm-hmm. I, I think in Psalm 48. And those of you that are Lord of the Rings fans, isn't that the, the reference to like the the kings of the north or the city of the north? Mm. Isn't there a reference yeah, the, there? The men of the north. Men of the north. Yeah. Where was from. Yeah. I'm reading that right now. Oh, there yeah. you go. So yeah. there you go. It's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think the 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 encouraging thing that that brings out in in my mind as we think about and as we go and Dave, you've kind of already alluded to this and some of the things you said that what we're ultimately going to see is that there's going to be a new Jerusalem. There's going to be a new city of God mm-hmm. in the new heavens and the new earth. And, you know, you always ask people when you're talking about heaven, what is it that makes heaven truly desirable for people? You know, we, we talk about it. We, we will talk about how this is a beautiful place. It's safe. It's secure. All the great things that come along with that. But as we think about heaven, you know, if, if heaven were, if it was, as the description goes, the streets paved with gold, the gates of pearl, the jewels adorning the buildings, but God's not there, it's not really that beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And so the thing that makes heaven truly desirable and the city of God truly desirable 
is that God is there. Mm-hmm. That's where God is. And it's just amazing to think that God, you know, t- uh, Spencer, you mentioned the tabernacle. The fact that, like, God doesn't just, in that instance, it was a tent, you know, mm-hmm. and it looked like a tent. It wasn't anything crazy or fancy. Um, you know, so you think about that, like, God is is content to be there mm-hmm. just as he's content to be in this, uh, you know, nicely adorned thing. Because to him, I mean, as we're thinking about, like, you know, God coming down and dwelling in the temple once Solomon built that, mm-hmm. that was just as demeaning in a sense or in a, a humble act for God to do to dwell yeah. in a beautiful building like that mm-hmm. as a tent. Because think about who he is right, and his truly glorious dwelling, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not that a building has to be beautiful enough or a city has to be beautiful enough for God to dwell there. Mm-hmm. It's the presence of God that makes it beautiful, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's just a really just glorious thing to meditate on, I think. And I really yeah. appreciate Tim bringing that out in his sermon. <clears throat> the next thing that makes it the city of God or that we could describe the city of God that we see in the psalm is that it is safe. And uh, the reference there is to verses 4 uh, through 8. It says, For behold, the kings assembled. They came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them their anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. And then looking down at 12 through 13, walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels that you may tell the next generation. I mean, this is a heavily defended city. It is a safe uh, city. And you guys have kind of already brought that out a little bit. What makes this city so safe? Well, I mean, ultimately, it's the the presence of God um, that makes it so safe. Um, and because, I mean, if we're if we're simply thinking about the um, the Old Testament Jerusalem, Jerusalem was not. Um, while at some points it was a strong city, it was still capable of being breached, as we see uh, when the Lord withdraws his hand of protection. So ultimately, it was the Lord's presence there because he's the great king who defends his city. Um, and so he defends it. Uh, but, but one of the things I think is, is, is wonderful here is he encourages us to go w- walk around the characteristics of the city. Um, this is the city of the king, um, and God has beautified his city. God is, uh, remember, and it makes you think as well, remember whenever uh, it says Abraham was looking to a city that has foundations, whose maker and builder is God. Mm-hmm. So there is a sense in which, uh, yeah, I mean, as you look forward to think, God has also built this city. This is his city that he protects himself, but he's also built it. And so he's encouraging us to walk around, look at the towers, number them, count them, consider the ramparts, go through her citadels, um, to just take time to meditate, not simply on the city as a whole, but in all of its various parts. Mm. And uh, to look at all the specifics, because sometimes we do that too, right? You go look at a piece of of amazing architecture or a a massive building, you know, for instance, one thing we d- we've done in the past couple of years is we've gone and looked at the Missouri State Capitol, and you can well, we've walked through it, and you can, we got an opportunity to like go up in the big rotunda and everything. And it's one thing to stand outside the state capitol and to look at it, but it's another thing to walk around the whole thing and to notice the huge bronze doors 
to notice all the artwork inside, to notice the steps, the uh, the height of things in, in, in their individual placements and, and particulars. Similarly here, it's one thing we can stand back and see the city of the great king and see its, its grandeur, but then also to go and look at all the specific things, the specific ways that God's designed this city, his city, uh, to be beautiful and powerful and and safe mm-hmm. as well. So I think there's there's this in, there's that's an interesting uh, point that the psalmist is is wanting us to do is to see all the specific ways mm-hmm. that he's protecting and made his city safe and beautiful. Yeah, and I think you know living in the inner city, you know, we lived in the city for twelve years, Chicago most of that, and then Detroit a little bit, and. You know, like Chicago specifically it can, is a very beautiful city. You walk down Michigan Avenue, you know, it's the Magnificent Mile. There's the, you know, Buckingham Fountain. There's all this beauty. And yet behind that, there's always this like, well, there's tons of violence in Chicago. There's tons of gang activity. There's tons of drugs. There's human trafficking. And, and so there's always this kind of like... The rub, if you will, the both and like, yes, there's the beauty. And I mean, I, and I'm, I grew up just outside of a city, outside of Washington, D.C. So I've always been a city person. And there's always this draw that I have to, to urban centers. And I love going to different cities. But there's always this kind of like, ah, but you know what? There's just so much corruption. Whereas here, it's like you see it and you can feel it. it's like, oh, this is like a city that has all the the you know the the great things about cities you know the the streets and the walls and the sites and yet it's safe because God's there there's no sin it's the and, they, and mm-hmm. Pastor Tim did an excellent job of of even talking about how the Lord protected his city from the Assyrian king when they were trying to come in and and basically in a boastful way say we're going to destroy this city and take it yeah that was a good illustration example yes. of you know what what Spencer was saying that this this is a safe city ultimately because it is God's city. God's city yeah. It's where He dwells, and mm-hmm. so like yeah, walk us through that example uh, a little bit more in depth. We were talking yeah. about it before the podcast. Yeah, I can't remember the reference. Is it in Kings or the Chronicles? Yeah, I think it's during Second, Hezekiah's time. Yeah, Second Kings nineteen. Second Kings nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hezekiah's time, and that was I, I always I always mm-hmm. say his name wrong. Tell me again. His, Sennacherib. Sennacherib. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that was King Sennacherib. Assyrian Assyria was the largest empire at that time. You know, they were kind of like you know after Egypt. You know, so you have these different world empires, and they were they were a a, a force to be reckoned with. Mm. And here is this Assyrian king in his boastful way of you know in his false idolatrous way of saying you know Israel's God's not going to stop me. Right. I'm the I'm the I mean the kings back in those days the ancient kings thought they were the gods of the earth. Pharaoh thought he was the god of the earth. Nero and the Roman mm. Empire is when they came, or the Roman emperors came. And so he thought, this is nothing. Little did he know. And then he goes back to his home and is in the temple praying. And then his mm-hmm. sons his sons come. To his god. To yeah. his god, yeah. And his sons come in and, and, and slay him. And even, I mean, before that, what led him to go back home, right, was, was the defeat. The, yeah, the defeat, which... Israel didn't even lift a finger mm-hmm. themselves, finger. right? Yeah. God, the, it says, you know, the, the angel of the Lord came and killed, was right. it 130,000? Oh, a huge number. Uh, huge yeah. number, yeah. I mean, it, it, it demolished your army. Yeah. You yeah. know, your great big army that right. you're saying your God will not deliver you. Right. Well, actually, yeah, their God did deliver them by himself. Right. You know, right. didn't need human agency. And the, and the difference it. wasn't that Jerusalem was so much better 
uh, or physically impose, uh, imposing then like maybe Samaria or whatever the other yeah. cities that he's taken. It's because of the Lord's, the mm-hmm. Lord's protecting hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me think about Nehemiah too, because Nehemiah is coming to rebuild the city after the, you know, after the fall of Jerusalem, you know, quite a bit after. And, and there was these obstacle or these uh, antagonists that were trying yeah. to, you know, um, Tobiah and so forth yeah. that were trying to basically saying, oh yeah, you build the walls, a fox going to knock, right, you know, knock right, them over. Right. And the Lord thwarted that plan and prevented, you know, mm-hmm. and allowed the, the, the yeah. ne- Nehemiah to continue to build and they were eventually defeated. And that made me think about what Pastor Tim talked about, you know, how it's, if the Lord's hands upon it, nothing, you know, no weapon formed against you shall prevail. And that's exactly what we see here in Psalm 48. I thought he did a great job. It's so important when we we'll look at a text and then we can we can look at parallel text or context to see the bigger picture. It helps us get a, a bigger idea of like of how this is fits in history and this fits in the overall scope of God's word. So mm-hmm. it's really good. Yeah. The next point that uh, Tim brought out about this this city of God is that it is filled with God's people. Right, you think about the ultimate purpose of a city. It, it's for people to dwell. It's for people to live, uh, right? And so the people of God. And he, one of the things Tim brought out is that the great privilege it would be to be able to be part of God's chosen people to dwell in His city with Him. And I think one of the things that we can think about is, as we've already brought up, is that this isn't just necessarily a physical city like Jerusalem was with walls. Because Jerusalem wasn't built by Israel, right? They conquered it, and then they dwelt there, and then it became the city of God because that's where God was, and it's where God's people were. Before that, it was like a mobile city, you know? Uh, they would travel throughout the wilderness, and but then they went in to conquer the, the promised land. But one of the, the passages that Tim referenced in this section is Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, where it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. That's just a wonderful Mm -hmm. reminder to those who are part of the city of God is that you have been chosen by God to dwell Mm -hmm. in the city. What an amazing privilege it is Mm -hmm. uh, to to have the God of all the earth set his love on you Mm -hmm. in that sense. Yeah, no, I think the, the, the... it's interesting. Right after uh, Cain is exiled, he goes and builds a city. And Augustine, of course, wrote his famous book, The City of God. And he contrasts that and says there's two communities, two realities here, the city of man and there's the city of God. And Cain goes out and builds a city. Um, and then God's people here, though, have been looking uh, for. There's actually a there's actually a, 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 an old song called "Looking for a City." Um, <laughs> you know that? Is it a country song? No, this is there, it, it. It can be sung. Look it well, up on YouTube, people. There Look is it, Google a, it. Was Look it James it up Canup? Is that his name? Something <laughs> Canup. Looking for a city. 
There wow. is a guy on YouTube. <laughs> Alicia said she was thinking about that the whole time. Oh, yesterday. gosh. Was oh, really? She was thinking about that song? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah, there's a guy. I think his name's James Canup. If you type in looking for a city, and it's hard to know whether or not this is real <laughs> or a joke, but... Dave, have you not seen this? I have not oh, seen it. You need gosh. to go see it. <laughs> okay, looking for a city. Okay. Yeah. This is a guy singing? Just yeah, the, my kids, I remember what, we, we played famous. that for a while, and it was like, yeah, where we'll never die. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but God's people have been looking for a city. They really have <laughs> been. Um, and uh, I don't even know. But yeah, no, th- this, but the the people of God, um are are the city as well right we are we are the the city of of our god where god god dwells at and um i don't know i kind of got off track after thinking about that song now so scott where are we at now (laughs) where are we at now (laughs) well the next thing that that tim brings out is that the the city of god is not just beautiful it is not only safe it's not only filled with god's people yeah it's also filled with god's praise and he looks at uh, verses 9 through 11 there. It says, We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. I mean, thought on God's steadfast love. I mean, what we just talked about, about being God's people, means that God has set his love on you. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of anything you've done. It is simply because the Lord loves you. That The natural result of being loved in that way and being chosen to dwell in the safe city of God that is beautiful because God is there is to mm-hmm. fill that city with the praise of God. Yeah. That's just the natural thing yeah. to happen, right? Right. Yeah. The heart of, of Jerusalem was the place where the there was there was the the walls of Jerusalem, right? So you're in the city, but even then within the city there was the temple, mm-hmm. the place where God's glory dwelled. And that's uh, you think about the the background as well for the why the the uh, altar and such was chosen where it was. You remember the story with David, right? Where he sins by counting the people and the, and he's given multiple options about what his punishment will be. And there's the angel of the, of the Lord or whatever is coming and, and is killing and stops um, because, and David is instructed to, to make an, an altar there, a sacrifice. And anyway, it's out of that experience of the forgiveness of sins and grace and mercy that that's where we're going. You know, like that's the, that is the background um, for, for I think, the whole altar, the whole uh, idea of steadfast love, of mm-hmm. God's forgiveness and, and love uh, to Jerusalem. So, yeah, mm-hmm. thinking about your steadfast love in the midst of your temple, of your house, the place where your glory dwells, mm-hmm. um, that's, that would be the heart of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially you, you referenced Augustine, his, his work, The City of God, which is a, a, a classic work. <laughs> And I think Augustine makes the distinguish the distinction between the city of God, which he would say is is filled with caritas, which is the Latin word for for love. We get a Greek word as agape, and it's because of God's praise. And the city of God is a place of love. Jonathan Edward talks about heaven being a, a world of love, as he called it. Whereas the city of man is the uh, cupiduos. I think you say it. it's the word cupid. You know, the idea of passions, mm-hmm. earthly desires. So the and Augustine in his time was, you know, looking at Rome was as an empire was basically falling and did fall. And it fell because of the earthly passions that were kind of undermining that. And he he counter he countered that with what scriptures teach about 
the city of God and ultimately where we're going to dwell as a people of God. And I think that's a good, you know, that's a good reminder of kind of Psalm 48. It's like we have a wonderful destiny. We have something to look forward to. Abraham, like you mentioned, or Moses, excuse me, was looking, no, Abraham? Yeah, (laughs) Hebrews 11, right? Looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And I think Augustine makes that point really clear. And uh, and so, yeah, it's all about God's praise, God's glory. Mm, Absolutely. The last point uh, in this sense that Tim brought out is that this idea of, of the city of God that it is unstoppable. Mm. It will not end. Um, in verse 14, it says, This is God, our God, forever and ever. He will guide us forever. Um, there is never going to be an end to the reign and the rule of God in his city, mm. right? And yeah. uh, his protection of his people. And but What Tim brought out, and I thought was really helpful uh, to think on in his sermon is that as we see in the Old Testament in Psalm 48 here, this description of the city of God, it sounds strikingly familiar to another city that is described at the very end in Revelation 21, talking about the new heavens and the new earth. Um, And in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 3, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And, I mean, there you have a description of just like many other places that we've already pointed to in this conversation in the Old Testament of, you know, it's not necessarily changed. The description, the the format of it, so to speak, or like the final product is a little different. But I don't know, Tim just did a good job of showing how like all this City of God stuff, this Jerusalem stuff is all kind of pointing towards an end in mind of a an eternal city of God where God is and where his people are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think the, the saints of the Old Testament, although the Old Testament is, um, is uh, um, God was teaching his people. I, I often use the idea of like the flannel graph, right? God was, uh, we, we use that often with uh, children where we have little flannel graph things and try to teach children illustrations about biblical truth or whatever. And the whole, the whole Old Testament, particularly the Moses, the the Mosaic um, covenant with um, the priesthood, the sacrifices, and even with the the physical land and the temple, all of that is flannel graph stuff, meant to teach God's people ultimately what they have to look forward to post resurrection. And I think uh, while they did not know maybe all the details that we know uh, in the fullness that we know, David and Abraham and Moses, they were looking to a restored new heavens and new earth beyond the grave. Mm -hmm. They were looking to a resurrection. um, Now, and again, right, we're not saying they knew exactly that there was going to be a guy from Nazareth who was going to, you know, they didn't know all those details, but they knew the seed of the woman will come. Blessing will come to all the world. God is going to renew and resurrect the creation that has fallen into decay. They knew those things. And so I, I guess that's helpful 
because whenever we think about David or whoever, you know, the sons of Korah or believers in the Old Testament, when they're writing these psalms or singing praise or going to Jerusalem, their ultimate hope was not in trusting these animal sacrifices and that God has to protect this real estate of Jerusalem uh, forever. Their hope was that this is this is a down payment and a looking forward to of even greater blessings to come in a new heavens and new earth. I think that that was what they were looking towards. And we see that I think in Hebrews 11, fairly clearly that they were looking beyond the present world to a new, a a new world um, to to come. And so I think that ties in. That's why then the new Testament writers are not like, just like just, pulling stuff out, you know, and just saying, Hey, look at this. No, I think this was always the hope. It's just now been more fully revealed in the light of Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just, and maybe as a closing thought, you might have a closing thought, Scott, but, (laughs) but, um, I think so often Christians, I think we're taught like, you know, even some of the songs we sing, you know, like, you know, about, I'll fly away and, you know, like be, be walking on those streets of gold. But if you look at scripture, that idea of the streets of gold and, you know, this heavenly city is not until after the resurrection. Right. That's when Christ returns, you know. Uh, Randy Alcorn does a great job in his book, Heaven, on kind of really outlining, defining kind of what is the, what he calls the um, temp or intermediate heaven, meaning now like the saints mm. that are, that are, you know, that die are immediately, as Paul says, you know, are th- to be present with the Lord is to be absent from the body, to be with the Lord. But that, the new heavens and new earth is the ultimate destination that we have in Christ, mm-hmm. that when heaven will come down and the earth will be, I think Second Peter talks about, will melt away, uh, the old will melt away, and there will be a restored new earth. So I think that's it's mm. important that we as Christians understand what that is and not just think of heaven as this place where we're floating around in the sky or in mm-hmm. the clouds, you know, and yeah. singing and playing harps or what have you. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, what you bring up is, I think, a question that a lot of people have of, especially if we're talking about the city of God and in the Old Testament, it's pretty explicitly like just talking about, and Tim brought this out, the word Zion is really hard to actually define because Mm -hmm. it's used several different ways in Scripture. And, you know, we think about the Old Testament, well, okay, that's, that's Jerusalem, it's the temple, right? And it's Mount Zion, and it's where all these places are, but we also have references to this new Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem that will come at the very end. But what about now? Like this time when mm-hmm. we're past the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament, but we're still waiting mm-hmm. for the new heavens and the new earth. Mm-hmm. And what Tim brought out is like, think about the many different descriptions of the church yep. that are in Scripture. I mean, he went to Ephesians 5 talking about the beauty of the church. Right. He went to Matthew 16 talking about the safety that the church enjoys. In 1 Peter 2, the fact that the church is God's chosen people and the fact that the church is the place that is filled with God's praises. And it's just the reality that the church is the city of God. Mm-hmm. God dwells within us. I mean, there's mm-hmm. explicit references to our bodies as temples of yep. the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? And yep. so God is with us. You know, mm-hmm. so the, the church is the city of God. One of the things I, I don't, you guys can comment on this, but one of the things I really, I love sermons like this uh, that do a really good job of taking a concept that you find in scripture and tracing it to show you mm-hmm. this concept, this is everywhere. Yeah, It shows you things in the Old Testament that you thought were just Old Testament stuff 
like the Zion, the city of God, Jerusalem, the the tabernacle, temple worship, and but it combines it with things that you see that are often confusing. Revelation twenty one, the new heavens and the new earth, um, the new city of God, and then other things about us being the people of God, and it shows you just in a what's called in a biblical theological way of showing. This is like a progressive thing. Everything is connected. I had a conversation uh, with someone before Sunday school started. We're going to, our children's uh, Sunday school curriculum in several weeks, we'll be switching. We've been going through the Old Testament for a year and a half. But this next one, we're going to be done with it. We're going to be in the New Testament. And they were like, oh, thank goodness. We're finally going to be in the New Testament. But the, the wonderful thing about sermons like this is it shows you that the things that you learn, maybe even as a child, like you referenced the flannel graph stuff, it has huge implications on how we understand the New Testament. And we get to see in sermons like this how those things in the Old Testament are connected to Revelation, are connected to Matthew, are connected to Galatians, and it is all part of one big understanding, one big story of God that just helps you appreciate you know, that story in Second Kings of Sennacherib coming against the city of God, and it helps you understand, like, why, why is this important for me as a Christian to learn about? Well, it's because it all comes together in, in one big story mm-hmm. that helps you understand concepts like this. Yeah, I think it's helpful to understand what it is that it is to be uh, the church and part of the church as well, because um, <clears throat> I think um, yeah, Michael Horton has a book on... Uh, on the the doctrine of the church ecclesiology um, and it's called people and place and uh, I think that's a helpful thing because uh, on the one hand we want to always affirm the church is not a building it is the people of God it's the assembled people but on the other hand there is a sense in which um, if we think about the church, not simply as the, all the individuals, but as a unit, as the city of God, there is the sense in which when we are gathered together as the people of God, this is now the place, um, where God's glory is revealed through the preached word, the word read, um, and such like that. And so I think it helps to highlight the, uh, all these different, it maybe also gives us another metaphor to think about what the church is. Um, the church is a temple, but the church is a city. It's a strong city and it's not ever going to be broken. Ultimately, it's a safe city. It's a place. And so I, I think that, that that is a helpful metaphor for us to think about what this, what MMBC is, um, what the capital C church is um, throughout all the ages and our place in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, and our role in it, and how we fit in it, and God's place in it. Um, I think that's a helpful uh, metaphor for us to realize ultimately what the church is, our place in it, how salvation happens in this place. Again, not the building, but but the church, the people of God. When we're brought together, that is now the place um, for that time that we are together where the preached word is that's where god speaks to us through the bible um and that is a, that is a that is a powerful reality um and one that is that is unstoppable that's good well i i pray that if you're listening to this you've been helped and encouraged uh to listen to our conversation just reviewing tim's sermon i i hope that we've done justice to it and uh maybe if you were there on sunday and 
there was something that you heard that you didn't really understand or was a little confusing, maybe the, our conversation has helped draw that out a little bit and explain it a little more. Maybe it would be beneficial to go and listen to the sermon again and see if it makes more sense or things like that. But I think overall, Tim did a really good job and very thankful for his ministry to us as our as our senior pastor uh, preaching to us week in and week out. Um, we have a great blessing in the pastor that we have. So thank you, Tim, and uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you later.